The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Raising the Bar with your host, Amy Bredo. Do you ever listen to that inner voice? The one that tells you that you can achieve great things just by giving yourself a little push? Making that voice heard is what this show is all about. What if you could turn your negatives into positives? You'll hear from others who have embraced that personal drive and will help you raise the bar. Now, here is Amy Bredo. Good morning, everybody. Happy Thursday. Thank you so much for joining us today. I'm super excited for today's guest. Um, her name is Jody Jackson Tucker, and if that doesn't sound like a movie star name, I'm not really sure what does. Uh, I wanted to just put it out there that Jody is a wonderful person because I literally got a hold of her about two days ago and was like, hey, how about going live with me on Thursday? So, Jody, thank you so much for just be willing, being willing to uh, jump in with me. I'm going to give you a little background, everybody. Everybody and Jody. She is the International Director of Orphan Sunday, and you can actually learn about that at orphansunday.org. Uh, Jody has helped lead the Orphan Sunday campaign as a volunteer from its inaugural year in the U.S. Uh, in 2009 until 2012, when she came on board with uh, Christian Alliance for the Orphans full-time. Jody, you have had quite an extensive career, and I see that you're actually on the board of Project Hopeful with Carolyn Tweetmeyer, and she... Um, from the few times I've met with her and from afar is probably one of my favorite people. She's got a heart of gold. And I also see that you are an author of a great book that I'm very curious to read called Fasten Your Sweet Belt, 10 Things You Need to Know About Older Child Adoption. We really have so much to cover in our short time today, but just welcome, welcome to the program. Thank you. I am super excited to be here and I love some of the other shows that you have already done with uh, your son who was adopted and about safe families and foster care. These are topics that are near and dear to my heart. So I am overjoyed to be talking with you this morning. Oh, I'm so thankful. I'm so, so very grateful. You know, it's been an interesting ride here uh, for me on Raising the Bar since January. I've, I've covered a lot of different topics, have had a lot of interesting guests, and I just have really felt like now is the time, especially with, you know, Orphan Sunday coming up later this fall, really to get focused and centered on um, what I'm super passionate about and the whole reason we're here doing this show. You know, my whole premise is to um, encourage people to get up off their seat and listen to that inner voice, but to really take good care of themselves in order to make a great mark on the world, you know? So I feel mm-hmm. like I have been trying my hardest to listen to that calling, as I know you have. And, and that's kind of where I really would like to start. You know, you've done a lot of things in the last 10 years and over your 30-year career, but why don't you just share a little bit about your story and your heart? Right. Well, I was intrigued to see that some of your promos say, you know, get outside your comfort zone, because that is def- definitely my story, and I have to laugh even saying it, 
because um, 10 years ago, I could never in a million years have imagined what I do now and how I do it and who I do it with. I'm just an ordinary person. I had a really ordinary life. Uh, I live in North Carolina, and I worked in the community and um, lived on a cul-de-sac, you know, drove a SUV just like <laughs> a cookie-cutter American woman, and um, and I was involved in a church that had a ministry uh, to uh, a touring choir from Uganda. And my husband and I had just joined the church. We wanted to get involved in a project so we could um, get to know people in the church. And the first day that we went to that church, they announced that they were going to open a property here in North Carolina where this touring choir, the African Children's Choir, uh, could have a base when they were in the U.S. And I had a background in marketing and fundraising and public relations, so I thought, well, I can help with that. And my husband is an engineer and a real estate broker, so it just seemed like a perfect project for us. We got involved. We worked on it for a year, had never met an orphan, never thought about an orphan. And then we finally met the children who came to live in this home. And for both of us, the day we met those kids, they came down the escalator at the airport, and they literally fell into our arms. And it was just one of those moments where you feel the arc of your life turn. And even to this day, we were just reminiscing about it a couple of days ago. It, it's one of those moments in time where you're like, uh-oh. <laughs> oh, my gosh. <laughs> Uh-oh. Wait so a minute. Funny. I think my life's about to change. And uh, God just kept showing me over and over again the orphan and the orphan crisis. I was working in a, quote, high-powered job, making a lot of money, working with high-level uh, corporate executives. I thought I was really smart. I thought I knew what was going on in the world. I prided myself on knowing the news before it was in the newspaper. And... Um, and there was this massive orphan crisis raging around the world. And back then, no one was talking about it. And I couldn't believe that this was going on on my watch and that it seemed like it was unseen by the world. And it just broke me. And uh, eventually, my husband and I decided to go to Uganda. We took a trip, and the experiences that we had there... Um, just changed us forever, and we uh, came home, and we just didn't think we could keep living our traditional American life. I didn't, and I would sit up at night and cry. I'd wake up in the night, and I just felt like I couldn't do my job anymore, and it it wasn't right for me to just be helping the rich get richer is what I felt like I was doing. And so through many tears, <laughs> um, my husband said, you know, quit your job and do what you feel like you need to do. And um, that was sort of the beginning of God just completely throwing me out of my comfort zone. Right. And um, and that's how it all started. So there's there's more to the story, but let me pause there. 
You know, it's interesting that you use the words uh oh because <laughs> I laugh at that because I can remember having the conversation with my husband. And we were actually in Asheville, North Carolina when this conversation took place and just talking about uh, foster care. And then it rolled into me saying like, hey, did I ever tell you I wanted to adopt a kid from Ethiopia? And he was like, what? I don't know how I kept that secret. <laughs> and we came home from this trip and got online. And, you know, at, at, at that time, you could still see some pictures of some children that some of the agencies were working with. And I can remember the second I saw my son's face, I swear I said, I'm like, uh-oh, <laughs> because uh-huh. every every hair stands up on your body and you just know. Yes. And you know, you know you cannot just shut down the computer and walk away from that when you get yes. that, cl- that clear inkling. So it's funny yes. that that's what we both said. It's like that <laughs> click in your spirit where you just feel it. Yes, you can't ignore I know it. exactly what you mean. I know exactly what you mean. So, uh, so I started trying to find a way to work in orphan ministry, and I went. I had no money, of course, because I wasn't working. But I had some points saved up from my 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 time in the corporate world, and I went to a conference put on by the Christian Alliance for Orphans, which is the organization I now work for. I went completely by myself. I didn't know a single soul. Um, I looked ridiculous. I stuck out like a sore thumb because I was dressed up in my corporate clothes. And what I didn't know, you know, every every um, area you work in has its own culture. And orphan and ministry people do not dress in corporate clothes. <laughs> so I looked ridiculous. I was running around in high heels and a white suit, and everyone else was wearing, like, distressed jeans and, you know, T-shirts with crosses on them and lots of beads. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I was, like, dressed right out of Talbot's, and, you know, everyone was like, who is this woman, you know? But, um, but I learned so much, and actually... I was sitting in the dark auditorium watching the closing session, and an older couple got up, uh, the wife got up and uh, shared her testimony, and I didn't even know who she was at the time and what a famous person she is, but her name is Elizabeth Stifey, and she works for Pastor Rick Warren, who, of course, has done incredible things all around the world. And um, and she leads up his orphan care initiative and all the work they've done in Rwanda. She got up and was sharing her testimony of how she and her husband, as an older couple, had adopted a sibling group um, from Rwanda. And then the next thing, the next speaker was a young man from Liberia who had been adopted at the age of 14. His name is Lightning. And um, so we know what the weather was like the night he was born. And and he gave his testimony of waiting his whole life in the orphanage, what that was like, how he would be so hungry. This is terrible to say, but it's the truth, how he was so hungry uh, that that he had parasites, as many children in Africa do. And when he didn't have enough food... Uh, he could feel the worms in his stomach, and he would have to, like, swallow them back down when they didn't right. have food in the orphanage. And he just told this this horrific story of how he was finally adopted um, as a teenager, and now he was living in the United States playing on a sports team, and he was healthy, and he was just praising God for finally getting a family when he thought he was far too old to be adopted and, you know, had no chance and no hope. And at that moment, I just 
new because my husband and I were facing an empty nest. We had empty bedrooms in our house, and we still felt young, and we still felt like we had a lot to give, and um, I just felt like this is what we were supposed to do, and I actually sent my husband a text (laughs) that said, I think there are more children in your future. (laughs) (laughs) That's scary. (laughs) Yeah, that was was a legendary text. He loves to tell that story, and, um, you know, we were far, far, far. Our youngest child at this point was like 16 or 17, so he was like, "Um, can you please call me? (laughs) (laughs) That's funny. So, um, So, we... We ended up adopting um, a sibling group of three from Uganda. We thought we would adopt two, right. and then the orphanage director asked us if we would take three, and so that was our journey into adoption, and um, there's been a, a few more additions to the family since then. You know, and I want to talk about that. It's funny, when you're telling me about your first conference, was it in Dallas in 2009? Uh, I was at that conference, yes. Okay. Were you there as well? I was there. I was there, and I actually, I, I feel bad. I haven't been since. And uh, you know how sometimes when you're trying to do something really amazing and listen to God, like a whole bunch of things hiccup in your life, totally not yes. using it, uh, totally not making excuses. But I will say that I think my head was in a place not upon my shoulders for a few years where I was struggling to keep my nonprofit sustained. I lost all my volunteers. My website domain um, got shut down without me knowing, and I haven't gone, but I kept it viable. And I kept these relationships, and I kept these relationships going. And now all of a sudden, people are like, "Oh yeah, I remember you. I remember you." So yes, long story short, I was at that conference. I plan to be again. Um, So funny, we were in the same place at the same time, and who would have thought we would come together? But that's so, how the Lord awesome. tells stories, right? Mm-hmm. He writes the most amazing stories. If we sit back and watch and and get out of our comfort zone in obedience, the things that I've seen him do are just so awesome. Crazy. So awesome. And I know, I know, oh, I'm so sorry. I did not mean to interrupt you. I apologize. No, you didn't. Uh, I get so excited. Now, we have a few moments here, a few minutes before we go to the first break, and we're going to pick right up uh, when we come back from the break, too. But, you know, I really want to talk about older child adoption. Uh, I know I've shared a little bit of this story with our listeners before, but I haven't been able to really share it with you. You know, um, kind of like where my heart was, was when I was eight years old, I think I was literally running past the TV to head outside, and there was some kind of... I always use Sally Struthers as the name, but I don't know if it was her. I don't remember. But it was about the drought and the famine in Ethiopia. And it I was, was ca- Sally I, Struthers. I remember. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. I'm glad my memory's not. your age now, woman. <laughs> yes. Yep. I'm happy 42. It's fine. Yeah. So Sally is talking about the famine. And, and you know, I obviously, I the, the starving babies and the mothers and it was so devastating to me. And then all of a sudden I noticed the big kids in the background. And I felt in the moment that I did not hear a message about these big kids. I don't know. I was eight years old trying to process what I'm seeing on TV. And um, I can remember just being devastated by it and crying to my mom that night, like someday I'm going to go get a big boy from Ethiopia. And she was like, okay, Amy, you know, and I just, I just carried it. 
you know, and, and it's funny because I told a childhood friend maybe a few years later, I must have told her that, okay? So then you fast forward through my whole life. We got married young, had ki- three kids. We're doing our thing. You know, we got married in 95, so this was 2006 we started talking about it. And my husband was like, how did I not know that about you? I'm like, I don't know. I thought I said it. (laughs) You know, like, I don't know. You just do your life. And then we saw his his picture. Uh, We told our families we were thinking about it. Everybody, even our Christian family, pretty much kind of thought we were nuts because we would be disrupting our birth order. And, you know, we we didn't know. And um, Ishmael was almost 11, um, you know, but we just listened. And I just prayed and prayed, like, God, if you want these doors to open, let them open. But if, you know, whatever, it was nine, nine months start to finish, you know. And, wow. and we, we have about two minutes left and I know you understand that feeling. So I just, I want to encourage people that are listening, that are thinking like they want to help, but maybe babies aren't in their season of life right now, or they're not sure what to do. I want to encourage people to let them know like, yeah, there's a lot of hiccups and there's a lot of things that can come up, but you know what? Don't live in fear. Just, you know, pray God's hand just pray God's hand over it, you know, and if you're not a believer in that, maybe that's something that people really need to open their eyes and hearts to because there is a need in this world and there is a, a calling and a command of God for us to take care of this. And um, I love that your vision is to take care of this in your lifetime. So I really yes. support you and back you on that. Um, we're pretty much just going to talk until we go to break, <laughs> but um you know, I just want to encourage people to investigate that. You know, they make you read all the books. They send you to the scary classes. And in fact, yes. I met Carolyn and Kyle at an adoption class in 2007, you know, when they were oh just... Oh, my goodness. Yeah, really, uh, they were at our table. And so it's, again, the way God writes stories. How funny yes. is it that I ended up, she ended up popping back up into my news feed because we're involved with the same company. You know, it's just crazy. Crazy. So it I is incredible to... how the Lord has woven all of this tapestry together, mm-hmm. and the whole idea of adopting an older child is frightening to most people. But even when we had adopted three older kids, God did another thing to stretch us even further, which I mean, is I... to um, surprise us. I call it my un planned pregnancy. You know what? I'm so to sorry. Find out on, that one of our kids for a second, had a Jody. that had been left behind. And Jody, so I'm so sorry to interrupt break, you. I'd love to tell you that story. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. We're going to go for a quick break. I'm sorry to interrupt you. We will be right back. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. 
The ECHO Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the ECHO Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the ECHO Foundation. There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. And welcome back, everybody. I apologize again publicly for having to interrupt poor Jody. I did want to let everybody know, though, please, if you'd like to learn more about um, Jody and what she's up to in the Christian Alliance for Orphans, please follow her on Facebook and Instagram at uh, Jody Jackson Tucker. You can also go to her website at www. JodyJacksonTucker.com to learn more. Um, again, yes, follow her. Are you also on Twitter, Jody? No. Okay, well, you, you don't need to tweet. So anyhow, follow her <laughs> in, those, in those places. Please check out her website. You can also send any questions to me at the email address you just heard or follow me on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook. All the handles are at Amy Bredo. So we are back. We are going to talk about this awesome surprise that I almost had to blow the whistle on over there before our, our break. So please continue with your story. You were talking about, yes. you know, go yes. ahead. So we uh, adopted three children from Uganda, and they were presented to us as siblings. And uh, they were 14, 12, and 7 when we brought them home. And as you can imagine, that was quite a journey for all of us. And... Um, and very exciting, somewhat bumpy, you know, learning each other's culture. Honestly, this was back in 2010. I didn't know anything about what I was doing. And you mentioned the book. I literally wrote a book of my mistakes after the first <laughs> year. Um, uh, my little boy, my Ugandan little boy, of course, English was the second language for my children. He used to call it his sweet belt, not his seat belt in the car. Aww. And so we called the book uh, Fasten Your Sweet Belt, uh, 10 Things You Need to Know About Older Child Adoption, and it's pretty much my 10 mistakes, <laughs> my 10 biggest mistakes of many, uh, really not understanding how to prepare for bringing older kids into our home, especially right. if they come from a different culture. But even kids in foster care in the U.S., of course, are coming from a totally different background. So that's just a fun uh, little book uh, of our story. And the many things we learned during that season, our oldest daughter, Agnes, just was not settling down. And she actually uh, helped me with the book. We wrote it together as a project. But during that season, about six months after we adopted them, 
she called my husband and I out on the porch one day, and she said, I need to tell you the true story of my life. And she confessed to us that um, our other two kids were actually her uh, cousins, not her siblings, and that she had a brother who had been left behind in Uganda, and that she cried for him in her bed at night. She was always worried about him. She hadn't seen him in a few years. She didn't know where he was, who was taking care of him, and she was just heartbroken over this brother. And imagine my husband and I, we're sitting on the porch, this this tearful, beautiful 14-year-old is just pouring out this story to us. But at this season in our life, we're totally broke. We've right. just done this ridiculous thing of already bringing three kids into our family who are from a different culture. They're younger than our other kids. You know, we're back dealing with elementary school. You know, I was right, the oldest right. mommy in second grade. I can tell you that. Everybody thought I was <laughs> his grandma. And... Um, you know, just we're totally overwhelmed trying to settle these three kids. Plus, I didn't have the faith when we did that adoption to realize how much financial blessing would come from other people and how much people would want to uh, pour into adoption. So right. we had, you know, incurred a lot of debt, put things on, put our adoption on credit cards. We did everything right. wrong. right. So here we are, completely exhausted, completely overwhelmed, already with three kids that we hadn't really planned on, no money, like broke. We liquidated everything, and here she says, I have a brother back in Uganda. And I'll never forget the moment, because I have never loved my husband more. After she says all of this, I turn and look at my husband, because he was sitting next to me, and we were both gripped looking at her. I just swiveled my head and looked at him and he goes well all right (laughs) (laughs) and that was the whole adoption question and we just knew in that moment I mean there was no way we could not try to go find this boy and it took a long time we had to hire someone in Uganda to try to find him And it was very complicated because of the way the kids had been separated and that their records didn't match, even though they were biological siblings. And uh, by the time we located him and did all the things we needed to do, he was 15 years old and the clock was ticking because once you turn 16, you're not adoptable, very sadly, in many nations. And... um, So we were racing against the clock, and the translator, uh, the guide who found him, brought him into the capital city so that we could try to speak with him over Skype. And if you've ever tried to Skype with other nations, sometimes it works, sometimes it doesn't. Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So we tried to Skype. The screen went black. It wasn't working. So then the guy texts me, and he's like, I'm going to see if I can call your cell phone if it'll work. So he calls my cell phone, and I can hear him, and our son's name was Kato Fred, and he said, and of course, we've never talked to this boy. We have no idea if he even understands who we are, what we're, you know, why we're reconnecting with him, and over this scratchy cell phone line all the way to Uganda from uh, North Carolina, uh, he, I put my ear to the phone, and I say, hello, and... The boy says, when are you coming for me, Mom? Oh, and did he know you had his sister, right? Yes. 
Okay. Those were the first words he ever spoke to me. And, you know, I'm on the floor. I'm a puddle. I'm like, I'm coming right now. I'm driving to the airport right now. <laughs> and it, his heart, the Lord had just prepared his heart. He has since told us the worst day of his life, and he has been through many, many terrible things. He said the worst day of his life was when he found out that his sister and cousins were gone and that he had been <sighs> left behind. Right. And so, you know, we just thank God every day that we were obedient. Everything in us wanted to say no. There's no way we can go back for this kid. He's too old. We'll run out of time. We don't have the money. We're too overwhelmed already. That boy has been the most tremendous blessing. It's like he was like a missing link in our family that we didn't even know we needed. And he's a genius. Uh-huh. He's, he loves science. I took him to a bookstore in Uganda, the, uh, at that time, the only bookstore in the country, and I said, I'll buy you any book in this store. He'd never been in a bookstore in his life. I'm showing him books about cars and sports, and he starts walking in the back, walking in the back. I'm like, where is he going? He comes forward. He says, this is a book I would like. It was a chemistry textbook. <laughs> wow. wow. So he just started college a week ago, and oh, he's awesome. in the six-year uh, PharmD program. He wants to do clinical research in pharmacy. He wants to cure diseases. I mean, this is the lost boy that we went back for, and when I think of the destiny on his life, it just blows my mind, and I, I, it scares me to think, what if, we, what if we said no, you know? Well, right. What if we said we can't do it? He'd still be lost, so to speak. You know, you know, maybe God would have found a way in his circumstances for him to fulfill his destiny. But even more than that, he has just loved us and blessed us. He's such a good son. He's such a sweet son. He loves his mom. I, I just, we could do the whole show just on him. Yeah, <laughs> so, you know, you're, I know you oh, go ahead. The same way. I know you feel the same way. So that's, well, you know, that's just an encouragement to your listeners that, you know, even right now, someone's listening, I'm sure, that knows something they're supposed to do, but they're just scared to do it. And we have all been there, Amy. I know, you know, that's what your whole show is about. And I just want to speak to that person right now and say, step forward with courage and faith, because the reason you know you're supposed to do it is because you are. And you right. won't regret it. You won't regret it, and the provision will be there, and the testimony will be there later. And, and you'll look back and... You will thank heaven that you did it. Absolutely. And it's interesting, you know, the show that I had recorded with my son is actually our other son that is still in Ethiopia. And you may have some answers for this or maybe somebody listening, you know, his name is Abadir. Um, I I butcher that. I really do. I I try. (laughs) But we actually, he has no blood relation to my son Ishmael that was legally adopted and brought home to the U.S. We met Abadir at one of the orphanages that was like um, affiliated with Ish's orphanage. And he was about 22 years old. And I asked him how he was able to still be in the orphanage. And he had been there so long that they let him stay because he helped keep order. 
but he was oh. he kept order and kindness and my husband and I just absolutely fell in love with him his story is rough just like all of our children's stories yeah. and so we yeah. prayed we prayed we prayed we helped him finish college and get his masters uh, there was an issue in the orphanage oh. where where one of the boys had committed a crime and so the police came in one night and everybody that was over 15 was put on the street and oh. We received an email that he was homeless, and so we sent money, and he found an apartment, and he's been robbed, and blah, blah, blah. But you know what? We've helped him finish school. We've, we, he worked for our agency for a while. Unfortunately, Ethiopia has shut the doors to adoption, yes. uh, which is yes. something I, ho- I hope and pray changes. And he was able to find a job with United Way for a while, and now with my little itty-bitty tiny nonprofit that my husband and I <clears> – sorry, I don't know what's going on – our funding basically by ourselves that's okay because we do have some donations and I praise God every second of every day that he's allowed us to be able to do this so far because I know mm-hmm. where we'll be but um, right now he is we have a partnership with him in another organization in Ethiopia where he has developed a curriculum to teach the caregivers in the orphanages the psychological issues of the orphan to raise them to be better citizens Wow. And he is wow. never that is, he is not, beautiful. So we are hoping to get him here to visit. You know, last year when we um, extended the invitation letter, the American embassy was like, you don't have a job, you don't have a family, you don't own anything, you're not married, you'll never come back. Yeah. And we yeah. just wanted him to spend the holidays with us. We know we're honest. We know we he would have to go back. But now yeah. he is employed. Um, we're hoping to bring him over to show him America. Would I like him to absolutely move here? Yes, of course. But now I have a child who's 30 and I don't know how to do that, you know? So, um, but it's another encouragement to people listening, like just because you can't legally adapt, you can adapt them in your heart. And I'll tell you, there is nothing better than a WhatsApp message or a Facebook message or a Skype call to another country of somebody saying, I love you. You're my mom. Yes. I know God brought yes. us together. So and I get it. And that is something that people do not realize the power of what they can do, even remotely, mm-hmm. by loving a child. It, you know, many people sponsor children, and I don't think they have any idea from the child's perspective, how spiritually significant that sponsorship is. And some organizations have done a beautiful job of uniting the children with their sponsors. And and while that's supposed to be to motivate the sponsors, having uh, children, many children now that I have talked to who had anyone that they could could refer to that someone cared about me. That's all it takes in the life of a child. If you think about your own life, anyone listening, if you think about your own life, there's one or two people in your life that knowing that person cared about you, knowing that person was cheering you on. I had a grandmother who always cheered me on. That's all it takes is knowing that one person loves you unconditionally and is cheering you on. And you don't have to go through a huge international adoption to do that. It's so cool, Amy. It's another similarity. We have a son uh, who's <laughs> still in Uganda who is too old to be adopted. Uh, but we fulfilled We've got four minutes, for Jody. Him, and it's the same kind of thing. And he calls us mom and dad, and and it's it's 
changed everything in his life for him to know that somebody cares about him. He confessed to us that he was so desperate. He was considering um, taking his own life because he right. had nothing to live for. He's, he lost both his parents before he was even born. He's mm-hmm. the youngest child of a polygamist with 47 children. <laughs> and oh my so gosh. He, he's been an orphan all his life. He thankfully was in a sponsorship program. But just knowing that someone cares about him is what kept him going. And what you're doing for that young man in Ethiopia is life-giving for him, life-giving. And there's so many ways that you can do that for kids. You can do that for a child who's aging out of foster care here in the United States. Mm -hmm. You can do that for a, a child that you sponsor where you actually write the letters and follow through. That love, giving them something to cling to, that someone is cheering them on, is so powerful. You can't imagine the power of it. You know, and in our last few moments before we go to our second break, we've got about three minutes, you know, I want to encourage people to really investigate those opportunities. And as you were just speaking, it got me all excited, like, hey, I never thought about (laughs) creating a sponsorship program. So, so many, so many ideas and things that get me excited, even though I've been a sobbing basket case the last few minutes. Um, it just shows my our passion for it, you know. So yes. for the for the people yes. that are listening that have been brought to tears, like you're normal. I'm just gonna go with that. Yes. And 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 it's okay. And, and there is so much that can be done. Again, I would love 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 for all of my listeners to please check out your website at jodyjacksontucker.com to check you out on Facebook and Instagram at Jody Jackson Tucker. Anybody also with questions, please follow me at on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram at Amy Bredo, or send any questions or comments to amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. I just want to throw those out there because you never know who might have just jumped on before we gave that info, yeah. or I'm sorry, after we gave that info earlier. You know, I would love to also talk about when we get back from the break, uh, some of your experience and some of your stories, some of your uh, stories from Fasten Your Sweet Belt, because I think um, they're just so heartfelt and to show people that it's a normal family. It's just our version Mm -hmm. of, of a normal family and some maybe differences in culture that just are so heartwarming to share. I know we've had those. In our last moment here before our second break, you know, maybe what's a quick snippet of advice or anybody, again, like that's feeling some kind of prompting, what would your encouragement be in about 30 seconds? My encouragement is that this life is short Mm. and live it to the fullest. Get out of your comfort zone Stop going to the same same Starbucks you always go to. Go to a different one across town. <laughs> right. um, get some walking shoes. Don't go on a, a cruise. Go on a mission trip. The American lifestyle does not push you to the glory and the excitement that we're talking about. So, so don't be afraid and get out of your comfort zone so you can be part of these incredible stories. I love that. I love that. You are listening to Raising the Bar with my guest, Jody Jackson-Tucker. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we'll share some great heartwarming stories with you. We'll be right back. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. 
There are over 147 million orphans and at-risk children in the world. It's a global problem, but you can make a huge difference. You can help from home or on the ground serving opportunities. Please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation tab to request more information. Our vision is to build a self-sustaining ecosystem of ideas, individuals, and organizations equipped to carry out the mission of hope for every orphan in the world. Help us with our goal of helping every child in need. Visit amybrado.com. Have you considered expanding your family through adoption, but don't know where to start? Are you looking to get some answers and direction on how and where to start? Reach out to the community at the Echo Foundation. The Echo Foundation offers five distinct areas of support. For those children in need throughout the world, we are here to support you and guide you through your process and beyond. For more information, please visit amybrado.com and click on the Echo Foundation. That's amybrado.com and click the Echo Foundation. Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment. You're listening to Raising the Bar with Amy Bredo. We'd love to hear from you with any comments or questions about the show. The email address is amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. That's amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. Now, back to the show. again we are back i am amy bredo and we are talking today with my new dear friend jody um you know i know we were going to share some stories about our experiences and then in the break duh the whole reason we really wanted to talk today too was to talk about orphan sunday coming up so let's dive into that and if we've got time for some great stories that's perfect too well that's wonderful i have the probably the best job in the world and it doesn't feel like a job for me. It's really a passion. I did it as a volunteer for many years. But what I love about it, and that's Orphan Sunday, is it's such a God story, and it's a biblical story um, similar to mine, similar to all of ours. Um, You know, have you noticed whenever God does something in Scripture, He always does it in the small and lowly places and with the small and lowly people. And we just see this theme over and over and over again. And it's like we forget to pay attention to that, so we think we have to be big and important to do God's work, and it's just simply not true. So I was, you know, a housewife in North Carolina, and I, I... told the Lord, just send me an assignment. I want to help orphans. Uh, Because I had a background as a marketing executive, uh, the Christian Alliance for Orphans said, oh, we want to do this project. We want to bring Orphan Sunday to the United States. Would you help? And I said, you know, I know how to do campaigns. Sure. We had no budget. I worked from my kitchen. I was working on my own laptop. And we had this idea, Orphan Sunday, that was born in Zambia in a remote place in Zambia called Kalingalinga. There was a church with a dirt floor. You've seen uh, these churches. You know what I mean? The people praise and worship God in the humblest of environments. And over half the congregation was suffering from HIV AIDS, and many people had died, and there were many orphans in the congregation. And the pastor 
was crying out to God what he could do. And he declared that it was Orphan Sunday, and he asked the people, would they make an offering for the orphans? And he put a basket at the front of the church. Now, these are people who have nothing, and it's, it's just like the story of the widow's might in Luke. It truly was a move of God. The people were overcome with generosity, and they were coming forward, putting their own lunch and their own shoes in the basket. And one widow came forward and gave her last cabbage, and cabbage is sort of a staple food that people grow in, the, in that part of Africa, to feed the orphans that were in the church. And it was so powerful and beautiful, and there was an American man sitting in the back of the church, and he witnessed this act, and he couldn't stop thinking about it, and he believed that the Lord spoke to him on the plane on the way back home, that this idea, Orphan Sunday, was for the whole world. And so he kept sharing it, and he kept telling people about it, and eventually uh, the Christian Alliance for Orphans, through a number of God Story connections, uh, decided in 2009 that they would see if this was something we could launch in the United States, and they asked me as a volunteer if I would help with it. And that's really all we thought we would do. And we had a crazy goal that maybe we could get 500 churches the first year in the United States to participate in Orphan Sunday. It's the second Sunday in November. And we just ask people to pray for orphans worldwide. Well, the first year, God just did exceedingly and abundantly, as he always (laughs) does. We had a thousand churches plus the first year, and it just took off from there. And another nation contacted us. It was Guatemala. A woman from there said she heard about this idea, Orphan Sunday. Could she bring Orphan Sunday to Guatemala? I didn't have any idea. I called up my boss, and I was like, can they do it in Guatemala? And he was like, "Mm, sure, I guess so. (laughs) We did not know. We had no idea what God was going to do. It's been seven years since then, and Orphan Sunday this year will be in 82 nations. It's extraordinary. And it's the people of God coming together, acknowledging that there's an orphan crisis in our lifetime and that we are commanded as the people of God to care for his children, that it doesn't have to be like this. There is more than enough for every child, and there's more than enough families for every child. That's the important thing. When people hear all these big orphan statistics, there are plenty, plenty, plenty of families for every child in the U.S. and for every child around the world. And so the message of Orphan Sunday is just that. What can I do? Who are the children in my community? You mentioned that Ethiopia is no longer supporting international adoption. And if our listeners know about adoption, they know that uh, that's um, common now around the world, that international adoption uh, is becoming less prevalent because of the many um, issues associated with it. But what Orphan Sunday does is it brings the message to every local church, and it's for the people in that congregation to care for their orphans. So to the American church, it's who are the foster care kids in your zip code that you could be doing something for? Who are the children without families in your town, in your cul-de-sac, in your neighborhood, in your zip code? And for the church in Ethiopia, it's who are the orphans in your congregation that need homes? And, and will you allow God to open your heart to give one of those children a home? So it's such a beautiful message. And 
I just want to encourage your listeners to go to OrphanSunday.org. Mm-hmm. Everything is open source and free. Uh, the, the website has been translated into about a dozen languages. Uh, there's, uh, there's over 3,000 videos in YouTube that have been made about Orphan Sunday. It's all free. It, all the graphics are free. And my email is right there at the top of the contact page. If there is anything you need or anything we can do to help you uh, join us on November 13th this year, people will be praying that day in 82 nations because I know that we can solve the orphan crisis in our lifetime, in my lifetime. And that's what I'm believing for, and that's what I'm striving for. And um, Orphan Sunday is a beautiful way that we can all come together in faith and claim that victory. I am I am so moved and so excited and just sitting here with probably the most silly looking grin on my face because I believe that. And it, the thing that's so exciting is you're right. The more information people receive about Orphan Sunday and how they can help, there are enough families on this planet to solve this problem. I think people... Yeah just kind of turn their their eyes to it sometimes or they're just not aware but I do I think about um, you know it's weird people have traveled all over the place the only places I've ever been outside the U.S. is Ethiopia (laughs) I haven't gone to Puerto Rico I haven't gone to Mexico I haven't even driven to Canada yet I hope to do all those things Um, so that's what I have seen you know and I I just got so excited while you were speaking about bringing this even into um, a few churches I know that my friends that are in Ethiopia have relationships with. You know, I want to make sure it's there. I want to make sure it happens. You know, I visited Ethiopia in 2007 when we went and met and picked up our son, and that's when we met Abadir. And then my son and I went back alone in 2014 to visit. And you always, this could be a um, myself being an ignorant American, I in my mind was thinking when I go back to that orphanage, it's going to be better. You know, you want to, you want to, you want to think that, um, they had built a new building in the seven year, you know, in that seven year period that I wasn't there. And it still kind of looked like it was crumbling. It was probably three times more crowded with kids than it was when I was there in 2007. I was devastated by the fact that there were like three babies per crib, you know, a, a room with 30 babies just in this one orphanage and probably three teenage girls were handling that on their own. You know, it's it, it's a problem that is not going to take care of itself. And um, I know we have a lot going on in the U.S. and I'm in full support of linking arms with safe families, helping these parents get on their feet, helping these children that are in foster care. But we've yeah. got to do something. We, we really have to do something. Yeah. So yes. November 13th. And Go ahead. The, the beauty that you receive, you were talking about stories. Yeah. I mean, I am so blessed by my adopted children, all of my children. I have a biological child, and she always says she's going to write a book called Token Bio. <laughs> but... <laughs> um, but um, <laughs> Each of my adopted kids has been such a unique blessing to my life, and I really can't imagine my life without them. And they have big dreams, and they have all prayed for their friends to be adopted. Um, The best friend of uh, several of our kids has been adopted really through the prayer and advocacy of my own kids. 
They are huge advocates. We, we speak, we go to conferences, and uh, my one daughter that I wrote the book with, she and I were doing most of the public speaking, and, you know, it's so funny because even in this, you know, it's shameful to say it. We're so full of ourselves. My daughter and I write this book together about older child adoption, and then people start inviting us to go speak. And, you know, it's a one-hour workshop, so I give myself 55 minutes, and I give her five minutes at the end. Well, then at the end, everyone's standing in line to talk to her. So then the next time I give her a little more time, and then I give her a little more time, well, then I realize she's the one they want to hear from. (laughs) It's her story that's so powerful. So now when we go out and speak... It's her workshop, and I'm there to support her because these kids have testimonies that will blow you away. And, and this is the next generation that we're talking about. These are the children who are going to be running the world, running the planet. And if we don't address this orphan crisis in our own society with these kids that we are leaving in foster care with nothing, um, you know, a half million of them that are waiting in foster care, 100,000 that will age out without families, and those around the world, this is, these are the children who don't know what a family looks like, who have had no one support them. These are the children who are easily fallen prey, not only to trafficking and, mm-hmm. and prostitution and crime and all these other ills of society, but now terrorism. If you know who you are and you have a loving and supported family, you're not going to be recruited by some foreign terrorist. It's the same thing with gangs. The family is the basic unit of human life. And an individual without that basic support structure is not a person that feels whole and that is going to be able to live out what they were created to do. And this is the true brokenness in our world. The true brokenness in our world is the orphan spirit, whether people have living parents or not, the orphan spirit that is in the heart of this generation in our nation and in other nations that is making them feel so lost that they're not living out who they're called to be. And as you can tell, I have a lot of strong feelings about this because it's (laughs) so evident to me. And when we look at the many problems that we have in our world right now, you can trace it back to the orphan spirit so easily. You know, Jody, thank you for that powerful message here just as we're wrapping up the show. Um, And I'd love to have you back. I think it would be great to actually maybe come back even a little bit before Orphan Sunday or even after to, to fill in our listeners of, you know, just the glory that God has given in that and the um, assistance to all the different children. You know, I do want to encourage people to go to orphansunday.org to find out more. I love that it is just a resource of information and um, tools for people to use to spread the word upon it or about it, excuse me, and um, to really just getting our congregations and our communities in prayer and to give this cause some hope. We can't take care of this, you know, in our lifetime. When I was listening to you talk about you and your daughter speaking, it just whacked me in the head like a two-by-four. My son always saying, you know, I want to do something. I want to do something. And I never thought to have him speak. And he has such a great voice and a powerful story. So thank you for that encouragement that you didn't even know you were giving me. Um, Again, Jody, thank you so much for being here today. You You're have welcome. Been a, it's been a, a delight. Gift. 
been a gift to our listeners. You're a gift to me. I really feel like this is a relationship that's going to grow and um, just continue to grow and forever because, you know, we'll end up in heaven together too, talking about this, I'm sure. Amen. (laughs) It's going to be awesome. I wanted to encourage everybody again who's listening, please go to orphansunday.org. Check out Jody Jackson Tucker at jodyjacksontucker.com. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram. Again, if you have any questions or need any of these resources, again, please feel free to email at amy.raisingthebar at gmail.com. And until next week, I thank you so much for listening to Raising the bar. Jody, again, you are a blessing. Uh, God has chosen you to serve this cause, and, and there's no doubt in my mind. So I just want to thank you for listening to what He has called you to do. Thank you for getting uncomfortable and just being a great example to, to all of us. I, I really, I really value that a lot. It's amazing. So until next time, everybody, we will talk to you soon. You've been listening to Raising the Bar. Have a great day. Thank you for tuning in to Raising the Bar. Please listen for another edition with your host, Amy Bredo, next Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Now, get out there and keep raising the bar. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit VoiceAmerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The Voice.